Hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is March 3rd, 2023. Hopefully you are staying dry today. Um, I don't know if you can hear that on the mic, but it's definitely raining where I'm at pretty heavily. It's been steady all day. Um, I had to do laundry in this, but um, it is a Friday and they're like, oh, laundry on a Friday? Don't you usually work? And I'm like, yeah, I called off. Um... I will say I called off in the, like, you know, the good employee way, you know, did the right thing. (laughs) Um, I I just, I had known around, what was it, Tuesday, Wednesday, that I'm like, I'm just going to take a day. Like, I need it. I want it. Um, So, kind of worked out in a way. Though, I kind of say it's it's definitely a bummer to have to do laundry in the rain. That's no fun. That's no good. Also, I just don't like, you know, being all cooped up. It's no good. Um, don't like getting rained on. That's no fun. Uh, but yeah, you know, overall it's nice now that I'm inside. As long as my internet and everything holds, I'm cool. I'm happy. I'm calm and collected. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Not too much to report on the food corner. Haven't really eaten too much. I did get a, I went to Jupiter Donuts again. Uh, I got a cherry. I think it was a cherry Danish. And I gotta say, it was nice because, like, this one, the one that I got picked, didn't have too much cheese in it, I think. If not, I mean, maybe, maybe barely any. Um, and it was nice because I like the cherry filling, and I like the icing, I like the bread. I just don't love the cheese aspect of a Danish, I guess. Um, like cheese, it's not for breakfast. Not for my breakfast foods. Bit weird. Bit weird. Um, oh, and I also got a uh, strawberry chocolate milk a like a pecan stick like a sticky bun cinnamon roll kind of thing and also a bow tie or whatever the ones the long ones little spiral things uh so yeah it was a good breakfast you know for what it was um let's see we can go and get into some news i um i apparently had misspoke when i had talked last episode about alice murdoch's sentencing i thought it was gonna be next friday uh, it turns out it was this Friday, so it happened today. Um, so let's see, from ABC News, um, Alex Murdoch, sentencing live updates, disgraced, uh, South Carolina attorney gets life in prison. So, um, it looks like he is gonna, he's gonna be getting a whole life bid, uh, for murdering his wife and his youngest son. Now, I'm not sure if there's going to be um, any more lawsuits or any more, um, you know, criminal shit filed against him. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. I'm also not sure if he's... Uh, I don't think he's available to get parole, but maybe. Um, I mean, and there might be more fallout for, like, let's say, like, someone like Buster or something like that in terms of, like just the family but we'll see if that comes up you know what i mean so don't want to dwell on that too long it was kind of just like something that came up today and i was like oh shit i got that wrong um and some other news from usa today eli Lilly to cut insulin prices up to 70 percent amid federal pressure to lower costs so this was a good news thing that happened i didn't expect it didn't see it coming but eli Lilly and co 
said it will cut prices of its most commonly uh, prescribed insulins up to 70% and expand a program that limits out-of-pocket monthly costs for some consumers. Excuse me. Um, This is uh, obviously really a big deal. I know for my dad, I believe he was on Humalog for a bit when, um, you know, he was, you know, he had diabetes and everything. And obviously we were glad that he had, you know, insurance. I was covering everything, but just knowing that the price of this was just so much money, like essentially that was more or less the bulk of where his security money would go. So uh, social security money. Um, and it's just one of those things that it's really hard to imagine how, you know, the average, you know, person who is going through, you know, diabetes, you know, either type one, type two, like, how are you getting by? How are your budget? Like, how are you budgeting? And the answer is they, they literally have to budget out insulin sometimes because it's just been so expensive. Um, you know, for example, the price of, let's see, uh, the, the list price for Humalog U100, 10 milliliter vial, um, will drop from $274.70 to $66.40. And the list price for Humalin um, U100 10 milliliter vials will drop um, from 148 to uh, 148.70 to um, 44.67 cents, 61 cents. Sorry, Blech. I hate numbers. <laughs> um, and then Lily will also reduce the price of its non-branded fast-acting insulin. To twenty-five dollars a vial, effective um, May first. Uh, let's see. On April first, Lily also will launch a biosimilar to Sanofi's Lantis that will be a less expensive version of the long-acting insulin. A new drug, Resvolar, um, will be interchangeable with Lantis which means a pharmacist can substitute the drug without a new prescription. Res Vloglar will go $92 per five pack of quick pens, a 78% discount to Lantis, Lily said. So that's crazy. They, I mean, like, and these are the kind of medicines that you need to stay alive. Um, it's more um, essential when you're type one, but type two you know, there's a lot of times, especially the the more severe your you know your diabetes gets, the more you're gonna need uh, you know injections. Um, you know, you're gonna need this insulin. So, I, I mean, every vial counts. The idea that it's so high is just one of those things that it, it's it's been an ongoing problem. I remember the first time I really kind of heard anything in the news about like pharmaceutical pricing and stuff like that was actually with the Martin Screlly shit. Um, I just remember being like, okay, yeah, this guy's definitely a piece of shit. He's definitely a fucking scumbag, but he's also just a player in the game. Like the game allows all the, all the parties involved, like all these pharmaceutical companies to just get away with it, to just charge whatever the fuck they feel is it's right for this. And essentially that's not what it should be. Like, you know, it, this kind of goes all the way back to like penicillin Like the guy who made it, he's like, I wanted to make this so that we could help people like. You know, I didn't want this shit to be expensive, but the powers that be that were going to make it were like, mm, we should get our cut. Um, so it's good that, you know, you know, fast forward to now, 
that at least companies like Eli Lilly are saying, hey, we're going to cave to the pressure and we're going to do these price caps. Um, it's at least something. It's a really big deal to people who are like um, out-of-pocket providers who don't have insurance uh, be- or you have really skimpy insurance because they're, you know, having this cap means like, hey, at least I don't have to pay over this. And I think there's like a way that, and they listed on this article too, if you know, you need to know or you want to know whatever. Um ways of like getting like a like a rebate card or savings card of the sort and you know essentially being able to get insulin for a price that's a little bit more affordable um you know every every dollar makes all the difference in these kind of situations um because you just definitely shouldn't have to say oh i'm gonna skip insulin for this week or a couple weeks i'm gonna roll the dice and um you know get it when i can um I've, I've definitely been in seen situations where like, you know, my dad, he had, would have passed out or, you know, had situations where he, he was literally floating on orange juice type shit. It's just, it's so sad. Um, granted, I mean, for him, it wasn't necessarily every time like, oh, you know, I'm trying to afford it. Like there's a whole balancing act. There's a whole constant changing of the amount of insulin you need. And, um, you know, sometimes you think you need this amount and it turns out you don't. And then you have to sit down with your doctor and then you recalibrate the doses that you need. Um, it's a very tricky, complex situation. And um, it, it, the idea that it's already that and on top of it, you have to worry about the financial cost. That just shouldn't be a fucking thing. But, you know, sure enough, the society that we live in, we got to talk about it. We have to have this problem. Because um, people have to make money. <laughs> and it's also a shame, too, that they have to, like, appeal to, like, stakeholders or whatever, people who have a share in these companies where it's like, yeah, you guys have to be, like, supportive of this, too, you know? And it's like, it's just already, you guys are already making way too much money off of this literally essential drug. Um, but, yeah. Let's see here. That's a that's a dub, right? That's a dub that Biden can kind of take home, I think. I think the administration's definitely going to say, "Hey, you know, we were part of the the parties that were pressuring, you know, these companies to do more and yada yada yada." So that'll be a dub. Let's probably let's talk about a potential L that's looking on the grill right now. Um from Reuters, US Supreme Court doubt over student loan debt relief looms over Biden agenda. Now, this is what I'm going to summarize, which I'm sure you guys are kind of familiar whenever we're talking about um, the Supreme Court shit. It's hard to, like, go over all the case proceedings, trial proceedings or whatever. You know, I'm a working man. I'm a blue-collar guy at the end of the day. Um, So it's hard to, like, you know, get all this time in. So I kind of do a little bit of research, a little bit of listening, um, and I I give you a summary of what I can do. But essentially, the $430 billion student debt relief is, it's looking in some hot water. I mean, going up against the Supreme Court, um, you know, with a supercharged conservative majority, they are more or less saying, like, is this actually legal? And by definition, I personally feel, with looking at the law, and I think there's other who would agree, that it is legal, quote-unquote legal. But... It kind of boils down to what um, the HEROES Act, which is um, the law that was introduced that kind of gave Biden this leeway. Um, it, I, I guess it's actually not that. This is in 2003, but he was using this along, you know, with the times of, you know, COVID to kind of mount this, you know, conversation saying, hey, I want to 
relieve this amount of debt because essentially we're in this emergency that would help um you know a lot of people right now that's like a financial burden off their back um let's see but this is in 2003 um let's see but it it authorizes the u.s education secretary to waive or modify student financial assistance during um war or national emergencies um, in this case, the COVID-19 pandemic. So that's how he was able to kind of shoot the moon, if you will. But the conservative justices are saying, well, that's exactly what you did, and you shouldn't be allowed to do that. And this is something that, you know, the Supreme Court justices have kind of been prone to do throughout all the parties. But naturally, it's kind of gotten worse, I guess you can say, since like 2016 or whatever, um, just with the numbers changing the way that they have. Um, so naturally any kind of progressive idea that's going to involve spending is going to most likely be targeted and shot down by the Supreme Court when it makes its way inevitably up because people are going to sue. Now, I know from like the, you know, the three, um, democratic or or liberal sides of the justice, um, they did kind of mount a defense for sure. Um, you know, at least trying to, I think Kagan from what I heard and this, I, I would say another good listen would be the daily. They, they kind of go through this whole um, proceeding and kind of do it pretty well. I, I felt like I understood a little bit better. Um, but Keegan kind of said, Hey, like, look, the people who are bringing up this lawsuit or, you know, are bringing up this argument, they aren't affected by this. Like the state isn't really affected because there's like several States, I believe. And um, they all kind of like have rallied and, funneled this and through, you know, one case is kind of being decided here by the Supreme Court, or it will be in June. But essentially, it's going to, oh gosh, my brain's fogging. <laughs> um, it's going to change things for, oh my gosh. Um, let me do a little bit of reading. <laughs> if Congress won't step up, or if Congress can't or won't step up, and the court won't let presidents do so, what are we left with? Uh, governance by five justices doesn't seem like good government either. I don't know. That's a random quote. I'm I'm fogging out here. Um, I'm going to take a little break. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but essentially... They've all kind of rallied through the government or through this. Like, I think I can't remember the consortium name, but essentially they were saying, Hey, like, well, Kagan was saying, Hey, they aren't actually here, they don't have actual standing. Like, this bill, this or this law that we're trying to, this release that we're trying to, you know, get sent through, like, it's not affecting anyone in a negative way. Now, they have mounted on the other end, they're saying, Well, hey, tax dollars are potentially at risk here. You know, people aren't going to be paying their loans. So inevitably, this is going to be on the states that are mounting this, um, you know, this case. Sorry, I completely spaced out there. I, I, this is amateur hour sometimes. <laughs> I apologize. No edits. Um, but yeah, it, it, it doesn't look good for this because essentially, even though that does seem to be something that like I heard that and goes, OK, that makes sense. I, I definitely would say, oh, that that kind of does um, hold weight to me. 
I think inevitably it's not going to sway the other six from saying, hey, you know, the Biden administration doesn't have this kind of leeway to make this kind of change. They are literally saying, hey, we're going to get rid of this debt. That doesn't feel like a waiver or modification. That feels like something that Congress should, you know, step in and talk about and have an opinion on and say something on, weigh in. It's not for Joe Biden to, to do. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a definitely a sticky wicket. Um, I hope that, you know, somehow it does work out and that people do get their, you know, their relief because a lot of people are on the hook for this money and they thought, hey, you know, I believe Joe when he said, hey, we're going to get this done. You know, he he made it seem so um, inevitable, like this is like almost like a done deal. And I mean, that's often a thing that politicians do. And it's very fucking annoying uh, because, I mean, it, it, when you look at the timing, that fits so well. And it looked like a W for um, the administration right before the midterms. Now we're post the midterms. Who, who fucking cares? Right. Um, now we have to deal with the aftermath, though. And if you can't actually defend this and make it a thing, then people are going to have to pay. So that fucking sucks. I don't like that. Uh, um, so, yeah, uh, another update, though, that we have from the Associated Press. Intel agencies, no sign adversaries behind Havana Syndrome. So um, we've talked about Havana Syndrome last year, you know, when it was hitting the news cycle. Um, to be honest with you, like I go through all these news things and it's hard to even remember the, the, the episode of the day, the, the topics of the day sometimes. Okay. Um, I do remember though, that like I, by the time I got to, you know, filming the episode, doing the episode, I didn't know how I felt. I, I was like, look, like, I know this is a, a thing that's happening. Uh, people are, you know, complaining that there are they're they're having these symptoms these nausea this headaches these you know like something's going on with them and to a medical level like they're they're fucked up you know these diplomats and they're saying and this is you know shit that was originating in cuba i think it was in 2016 when like it was initially being reported and it got so bad that like they literally shut down the u.s embassy in cuba and, you know, they're saying, like, hey, this is potentially, like, a Russia thing or, like, there's, you know, some agents. Like, there was a whole ton of rumors going around. And it did seem like a real kind of thing, but at the same time, it also felt a little suspect. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it is real in the sense that people were having, like, actual issues and they were kind of equating it to you know, this phenomena that was kind of happening that is Havana syndrome. Um, now that doesn't discredit that people are having like real issues and things are going on. And I also, you know, feel like the government, especially you know, the Biden administration is trying to toe this line of saying like, Hey, we see you, we hear you. But after doing an expansive investigation, we are telling you that there were no Russians involved. There was no Cubans involved. There's no one that we can point a finger to. Like, any of the leads that you guys shot us to, like, hey, there was this guy in a black car, and he came up to me, and then I started feeling sick. Oh, my gosh. We found that guy, and there was nothing to show. Like, he was just a guy. Um, so, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, maybe for some people, it's like, hey, you discover that there was something that you were going through, like a physical ailment, and hopefully you got some help for that. Um, 
maybe if you can and that's the thing i don't know in terms of like the fallout like are people actually getting compensated i know that there are some people that are saying like hey the government isn't doing enough um we don't really feel seen um but it you know on the other side the government's saying like hey we are doing our best we do believe you we're just telling you that we don't have any evidence of this havana syndrome you know we don't have anyone with a laser microwave here you know vaporizing your brain like that's just not a thing this is not happening so um yeah i remember actually havana syndrome is a funny subject for me because it was the only YouTube comment I've ever gotten was someone like, it was like a spam bot, like saying, Avera Syndrome is real, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was very odd, very weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, this article's here. I really don't want to dwell too much on it. I kind of just have my feelings about it. Um, I do think too that in the moment it was kind of spun a little bit in a little bit of propaganda ways where it's like, oh my gosh, we got to look over our shoulder. Is, what's, what's, what, what, what is Russia doing? But meanwhile, Russia's like, yo, what the fuck? Like, we don't have anything to do with this. Like, what, what is this? And they're asking like, is this real? Like, are they doing it to themselves? Like, are they making it up to like get us? What is the angle? So yeah, I think it's just one of those things where it's kind of one of those like and that's why syndromes suck like whenever i hear a syndrome because i've actually had to go through some medical bullshit and like when i'm going through all this research and doing all these things and i find out all my things are linking to a quote-unquote syndrome i go oh shit because i know then like i try to tell this to a doctor they're gonna be like i don't know how to help you dog <laughs> like that sounds like one of those kind of looped issues that you're just gonna have to hopefully see if it works itself out um so yeah um it's it's no good it's it's no fun I, I definitely my heart you know condolences go out to you know any of the people having any of these issues but yeah i don't think that it's actually a politically motivated issue i think it's just like you got the tumbly rumblies you got the headaches you got a high stress job um you got broken ventilation, you got shitty computers, you're you're sitting all day. I don't know, man. There's a lot. There's a lot. It's a whole matrix of complicated issues that you got to get through and got to get worked out. But I just don't think a spy is involved with, yet again, a microwave gun. Um, so I'll leave it there. <laughs> um, our last bit, um, we're going to do a little bit of Brexit talk. I don't do that very often. Um, from Reuters, Rishi Sunak strikes post-Brexit Northern Ireland deal with the EU. Ooh. Oh, 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 oh. All right. Had to hydrate myself, of course. Um, so, I mean, honestly, this is a bit of a sleeper um, article. Kind of putting you guys to bed before I end off here. But um, Rishi Sunak and Ursula von, Ursula von der Leyen, um, they struck a deal at Windsor, more or less, that is... Um, going to make their borders, you know, more or less open to do trading. 
which has been a complicated issue, um, you know, leading up to, I believe, this, like, anniversary that's coming up called, like, the Good Friday Pact or whatever. But essentially, since Brexit, you know, it's been a really hard, complicated situation for goods and everything to get across the border without having to be heavily, highly, you know, taxed. Um, and so they've been trying to come through with a situation, um, to make this easier. Um, and seemingly it's kind of been like a, a grand compromise that's making like everybody happy. Um, seemingly like more or less everyone's kind of getting what they wanted without having to scalp too much. Uh, let's see. The deal seeks to resolve the tensions caused by the Northern Ireland Protocol a complex agreement which set the trading rules for the British-ruled region that London agreed before it left the EU, but now says are workable. Uh, the success is likely to hinge on whether it, it convinces the Democratic Unionist Party, or the DUP, uh, to end its boycott of Northern Ireland's power-sharing arrangements um, which were set, um, which were central to the 1998 peace deal known as the Good Friday Agreement, uh, which ended, which, which mostly ended three decades of sectarian and political violence in Northern Ireland. Um, also, I think this is where like the U.S. is kind of involved because like Joe Biden is like going to be coming up to like celebrate and talk and glad hand about it. Because I guess we have, like, U.S. involvement and all this kind of shit. This is some shit that's definitely over my head, too. I'm not, like, super educated about it. But it does seem like it's overall a good thing. And that hopefully, um... Oh, excuse me. It'll relieve some economic tensions, maybe, in the future for, you know, the EU and the, um... You know, Northern Ireland area. Um, I'm sure there's definitely more to be worked out. I'm sure it's not a 100% thing. Um... But yeah, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and leave it there before I keep putting my foot in my mouth. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for listening. If you would like to support the podcast, also get access to a little bit more of me, um, Isaiah News or patreon.com slash Isaiah News. You get bonus content in terms of like episodes I do every week. Um, also, you get quick access to the Discord. Uh, also you get a newsy roll call shout out, which we do at the top of every month. So yeah, a little bit of perks for your $5 a month for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but free ways to hit me up is IsaiahNews1 at gmail.com. And also I have Facebook and Twitter. I'm on there. The podcast is on there. So yeah, it's pretty easy to keep up with me. Contact me. Yada, yada, yada for sure. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, you're a real one. I love you so much. Uh, hopefully I, hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye.